Welcome, everybody, and let's uh, make our way into the sanctuary. Let's please stand.
That is a sure fact of Scripture. The Lord is coming, even though the mist. We seem to be in trouble sometimes, and that's our hope and our promise. He is coming. Shame was a ransom. Me faithfully. 
through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us. Those of you in person want to welcome those of you who are joining us online uh, as well. And whether this is your first time with us in person or the first time you're tuning in online, we just want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, you are our guest, and uh, we want you to, to be made to feel like a guest. And if you have any questions, uh, we want to be able to answer those for you. We want to know how we can pray for you and encourage you wherever you are uh, in life. Hopefully you've got a bulletin. There's a lot of announcements in there. There also is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself if this is your first time here. And there's a box for you that you can place that uh, in on your way out um, in the foyer. And so uh, hopefully you've had a great week. Man, it is so great to be able to gather with the people of God and the house of God and sing uh, His praises. Uh, today um, is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And so I'm not preaching uh, on the Sanctity of Life. I'm going to begin a new series this morning. But I do have a video uh, that was sent to me from Cindy Hughes, who is the director of the Coweta Pregnancy Services. Uh, and it's a really well done video. Uh, you got to be ready to read, and you got to read kind of quickly. Um, and so, what I'm going to try to do is also post this video maybe on our Facebook uh, feed as well in case you miss something because it's really well done, really powerful. So, check out this video, and then I'm going to pray uh, after the video. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book 
before one of them came to be. Let's spend some time in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we come and we want to begin this time of prayer by just praising you. You are a good and great God, and you are the giver of life. And God, we know that life is valuable and precious to you. From the womb to the tomb, you have knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Father, we know that you have a purpose and a plan for each person that you create. And we thank you for how you have made them in your image and how you value each one. Father, we confess. We confess, Father, on behalf of our nation. God, forgive us for the 60 plus million babies who have been aborted in a mother's womb. Forgive your church, the bride of Jesus Christ, who at times has been far too silent. Not only silent about life in the womb, but also silent about all life outside of the womb. Your church has been guilty of being silent, of turning a blind eye to many injustices and evils in the world, and we pray that you would forgive us. We thank you, Father, for the hope, the hope that we talked about yesterday in our men's time together, the hope, Father, that was shown there in the video. There is hope. There is hope. And I'm so thankful for people like Miss Cindy and others who give of their time, who volunteer to speak truth into these young mothers' lives, into these young fathers' lives. I am personally thankful. Because Malachi is a part of our life through a pregnancy center. They do good work. They're doing life-saving, life-changing work. And it is not easy for them. And so we continue to pray for the volunteers that you would give them strength and give them wisdom. Lord, as they sit across from broken moms who are hurting. Lord, I'm thankful that there is forgiveness for any woman who has had an abortion, for any man who encouraged someone to have an abortion. Lord, this is not the unpardonable sin. There is grace and there is forgiveness and there is healing through the blood of Jesus Christ for anyone who has made that decision. Lord, there are people that we know who are, who are struggling right now. And Lord, we want to be faithful to come alongside them and to disciple them and to help them. And Lord, we just pray that we as a church would be known as the body of Christ who loves people and who loves life and who is willing to be a voice for those who don't have a voice or to be a voice for those who have been unheard for so long. Lord, if there is to be an awakening in our country, Lord, we can't expect that to happen if we continue in our ways. So God, would you just bring about changed hearts who begin to see you for who you are, the good and gracious sovereign creator of every single life. Fathers, we continue to sing praises to you. as We open your word and as it is proclaimed, we pray everything would result for your glory and your honor. 
And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and let's continue to worship together.
make their way to Children's Church at this time. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to read verses 18 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, and this is the word of the Lord. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You may be seated. So two weeks ago, I preached a sermon entitled, Return to the Lord. And then last week, J.J. Washington challenged us about missions, right, and how we hold fast to the promise of the Father who sent the Spirit of God and the promise of the Son who's coming again and how that fuels us and compels us to live on mission. Look, you guys know uh, there's a lot going on in the world around us. Um, And there's a lot I can't change. Most of it, in fact, I can't change and you can't change. And so what I really just felt the Spirit of God laying upon my heart as we begin this new year is... Let's focus on what really matters and on what we can change. And, and that's our hearts. That's ourselves. And, and that is being the church that God would desire us to be. And so I want to start by sharing some lyrics with you as we enter into this series. Understand, I pray that it will be encouraging to you, but I also pray it will be very challenging to you. And that the Lord first would challenge my own heart. And so I heard a song on the radio about a week ago. Uh, You maybe have heard it if you listen to the local Christian channels. It's called Start Right Here. It's by Casting Crowns. Um, And the words just convicted me. And so it starts, first verse says, We want our coffee in the lobby. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with coffee in the lobby, but he's just trying to make a point here. We We want our coffee in the lobby. We watch our worship on a screen we got a rock star preacher. That's not true of, of Northside. I hope I'm not a rock star preacher, but you get the point. Who won't wake us from our dreams. We want our blessings in our pockets. We keep our missions overseas. But for the hurting in our cities, would we even cross the street? Second verse. I'm like the brother of the prodigal who turned his nose and puffed his chest. He didn't run off like his brother, but his soul was just as dead. What if the church on Sunday was still the church on Monday too? What if we came down from our towers and walked a mile in someone's shoes? And and here's the chorus. We want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel. The walls fall down and our land be healed. I think we all want to see that happen in our country. But then he says this. But church, if we want to see a change in the world out there, It's got to start right here. It's got to start right here with the church. And so this morning, we're going to launch into a new series entitled, Be the Church. Be the Church. So right off the bat, uh, we got to answer a couple things. This is going to kind of be an introduction into the series. Number one, we got to ask, what is the church? 
What is the church? There's a lot of confusion as to what the church is. And so we're going to define this morning what is the church according to the scriptures. Then the second question I want to ask is this. What is the primary mission of the church? Be the church. That word be means to exist or to live, right? To be or not to be. That is the question. To be is to live or exist. So how should the church live? What is the mission of the church? And then the third question I just want to briefly look at this morning, which we'll unpack more and more going forward, is how is Northside Baptist Church going to live out this mission? What, is, what are we going to focus on? What are we going to ask of people? What are we going to ask of you? And what are you going to ask of me? And so let's jump right in with this question. What is the church? What is the church? Well, one of the key passages that talks about the church and what it is, is in Hebrews chapter, I mean not Hebrews, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quickly work through these verses. This isn't an exhaustive study of Ephesians 2. I'm not going to say everything that could be said on the church, or we'll be here for hours. We're going to go through it quickly, so, so hopefully you got the copy of the Word of God, um, and, and let's do this. Verse 11, therefore, in light of what he's just said, right, about uh, who we once were, that we, verse 4 says, but God being rich in mercy, it talks about you've been saved by grace through faith, therefore remember, now watch this, and JJ referenced this last week, that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, so Paul is speaking to the Gentiles, the Gentiles were enemies of the Jews, they didn't get along, they were enemies, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember, he's calling them to remember that you were, this is the Gentiles, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, without Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. They weren't part of Israel, the nation, the people of God. They were strangers to the covenant of promise. They had no hope and without God in the world. That's who they were. That's who you and I were because we are Gentiles. Verse 13, but now, you may want to underline those words. That's good. But now, in Christ Jesus, in who? In Christ. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the what? The blood of Christ, which we just sang about. And, and Bill didn't know that. And I love how God works that out. By the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Who has, this is, this is important, who has made us. Who's the us? Jew and Gentile. That's the us. He has made us what? Both one. He is taking these two groups, Jew and Gentile. He says, I'm making you both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Jew and Gentiles were enemies in Christ. They become friends. In Christ, they become one, is what Paul is saying. Notice here that one is not a result of transforming Jew into Gentile or Gentiles into Jews. That's not the one. The one is he's taking these two separate people and he's bringing them together as one. That's what he's doing. 
one man in place of the two, so making peace, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body. Reconciliation first starts with God in one body, then he reconciles man through the cross, an emphasis upon the blood of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, thereby killing the hostility. No longer enemies, but friends. Look at this. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. And here's here's the critical part. For through him, through Jesus, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access in one spirit, the same spirit. We have access to the same Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus takes Jew and Gentile, and through their faith in him, he makes them one, and that is called the church. The church is the body of believers who have given their life to Jesus. Now, what is the church to be built on? This is important. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the head of the church. And the church is going to be built upon the preaching of the apostles and the prophets who have been entrusted with the word of God. Verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So God is taking a people who were far and near, Jew and Gentile, who were strangers and aliens, and he brings them together in what Paul calls the household of God, what the New Testament calls the church, the ecclesia, the church. We are now, through Jesus, a family in a home. We're a family in a home. So what is the church? Well, first of all, you have to understand that the church is universal. The church is universal. Wayne Grudem, in his book on systematic theology, says the church is the community of all true believers for all time. The church consists of far more than just us. Amen? The church is millions and millions and millions of people from the past who've come before us, those who live today, those who will come in the future, those who have repented of their sins, given their life to Jesus, confessing him to be Lord and Savior of their life. That is the church. So when Jesus comes for the bride and we stand in the presence of Jesus Christ, we will be surrounded by millions and millions and millions of people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group. It is going to be glorious. Amen. That's the church. That's the church. So the church is more than just Northside. It's more than the church in America. The church is worldwide. This morning, actually they've already worshipped those in Japan because they're hours ahead of us. Right? They gathered the body of believers over there and they begin to worship. Right? We are part of the church. Jesus in Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church. He's not talking there about Northside Baptist. He says, I'm going to build my church, the church universal, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Paul said Christ loved the church. Did Jesus love Northside Baptist? Absolutely. But he loves his church universal, his bride. Right? He loves the church and he gave himself up for her. So the church is universal. The church is millions and millions and millions and millions of people. And one day we'll get to all be together. That's going to be good. It's going to be glorious. But we also need to understand, for our purposes in this study, that the church is local. 
The church is local. Tony Merida in his commentary on Ephesians says this, the church is a family living life together on mission. In Ephesians chapter 2, God right, is creating a people. He's creating a people, not isolated individuals. He's creating a people, and the people become the household of God. Tony Merida writes, we live out our spiritual union with Christ visibly. Through faith in Jesus, you are now united with Christ, and you are to live that out. You are to imitate and look like Christ. He goes on to say, in the same way, we should live out our union with other believers visibly. You live out that life visibly with a local body of believers. He goes on to say this, identify yourself with the people. Yes, you and I are part of the church universal, but we also must identify ourselves with a local church, a local gathering, a local fellowship of believers whose faith is in Jesus Christ. Acts eleven twenty two. we read about the church in Jerusalem. Was the only church the church in Jerusalem? No, there were churches in other areas. But we see there is a local church gathering in Jerusalem. In Acts 14, 23, we read this. They appointed elders for them in every church. Every church, meaning there was more than one church gathering, every church that was gathering, meeting as a church, had elders appointed to oversee and to lead. In Acts 14, 27, they're in Antioch, and it says this, they gathered the church together. Who did they gather? Did they gather every believer on the globe at that time? No, they gathered the believers in Antioch because there in Antioch was a church, a local gathering of people. So in the Scriptures, we see church refers to all true believers for all time. Yet we also see that a church can refer to a group of believers at any level. It can be small, meeting in a house. It could be a church of thousands, meeting in a massive building, or any church in between. We are to identify with a people. We belong to a people. We are Northside Baptist Church. Hear me, we are not a building. We are not a building. And I know everyone in here probably uses the same language I do. Come on, kids, get up. We're going to what? Church. No, we're not really going to church. And you can say that as long as your kids know what you mean. If we go to church, then what we're saying is church is a building. No, we're going to gather with the church at Northside in this building. That's just a lot longer to say, right? And so we just say we're going to church. But we got to understand the church is not a building. We are the church. Not you as an individual, though you make up the church. That's why you don't live life alone. You are to identify with a local body of believers. And we gather regularly for the purpose of glorifying God. Amen. We gather regularly for the purpose of glorifying God. So the church, the people, what we do is we make the gospel visible. The gospel has transformed our life, and so we come together to make that visible so Noonan and the surrounding cities see that we love and believe in Jesus. Matt Chandler writes, The Word of God has been given to shape the people of God, so in obedience to the Word of God, we begin to reveal the manifold wisdom of God and become salt and light of the world. 
The Word of God, which we're going to see next week, is what we stake our lives upon. The Word of God, given right to the apostles and the prophets. Not your thoughts or your opinions, but the Word of God, right? The Word of God has been given to shape the people of God. So in obedience to the Word of God, we begin to reveal the manifold wisdom of God and become salt and light of the world. Local communities of faith, such as Northside Baptist Church, are visible. Somebody can walk up right now and see we are the church. We're visible and we are situated. God has placed us right here in this location to reach these people for his glory. So that is the church. Church universal, millions and millions and millions of people, and the church local. Those of you and myself who've said we're going to come together for the purpose of taking the gospel to the nations and we're going to do it in community with one another. We are the church. Which leads to the second question, what is our mission? What is our mission? Now listen, there is much can, that can be said here, but I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible, and I'm going to use the words of Jesus to do that. So take your Bibles, and we're going to look at two places in the Gospel of Matthew. Go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, specifically verses 19 and following. And these will be on the screen if you don't have a copy of, of the Word of God. This is what Jesus says. If, if you want, these are kind of the last marching orders of Jesus. He knows the church is, is going to be formed when the Spirit of God is, is poured out, and so he knows that's coming. And so here's the marching orders for the church. The church universal, the church local, Northside Baptist. This is what he says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is a lot of truth here, but I just want to focus on two words. Make disciples. I believe this is the mission of the church, and everything that we do ought to fall under this umbrella that you and I are to make disciples. That's what he told them. You go and you make disciples. So the question has to be asked, what in the world is a disciple? If we're going to make disciples, we got to know what that is. What is a disciple? Well, Lao and Nida in their Greek lexicon define a disciple this way. The Greek word means to be a follower. That's key a follower, or a disciple of someone in the sense of adhering to the teachings or instructions of a leader and in promoting the cause of such a leader. Jesus' followers, they were called disciples, and this is what that Greek word means. So a disciple, if you want to break it down on a simplistic level that I can understand, is simply this. A disciple is one who is following someone else. We are following someone else. And in the case of the Scriptures, the one we are following is Jesus Christ. And this is the exact language that Jesus uses earlier in this gospel. So take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I'm trying to lay some groundwork here, and then I'm going to challenge us in just a moment. So Matthew chapter 4, let's start in verse 18. We're going to break this verse down, verse 19. But Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 
While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Let's break that statement down three ways. Number one, the first section, follow me. Jesus says to these two men, follow me. Question, who are they following? Jesus. That's who they're following, Jesus. Let me word that a little differently. Who is leading? Jesus. Church, we must be reminded daily that as a disciple, we are behind Jesus. Behind. Anybody in here guilty of trying to run ahead of Jesus? Come on, Jesus. I like this way better. Jesus, I think this is what you really meant when you said that. Jesus, I'm over here. Nope, don't want to go there. Jesus, let's go this way. A disciple is a follower. We're following Jesus. We have to make sure Jesus is always out in front and we are following him. So a disciple then is someone who knows and follows Christ with their heart. I know who he is, and I'm following him with all of my heart. I'm all in. Jesus, you lead, and I will follow. Follow me, look at this, and I will make you. Who's doing the making here? Jesus. Follow me, this is fascinating, and I will make you. Jesus is saying, follow me, and I'm going to do a work in you. I'm going to make you more like me. The New Testament says that we are Christ's ambassadors. Jesus changes us to look more like him. Jesus could have said, follow me, and you'll be fishers of men. And oh, if it was that easy, right? Give your life to Jesus on Sunday, and Monday you're perfect. Like all your sins are gone, you don't struggle anymore, you're just living for Jesus, you're mature, you're grown, like no, no problems anymore. Wouldn't that be nice? But we know from experience that's not how it is. So what does Jesus say? Follow me and I will make you. Church, this is important. Discipleship is a process. When somebody gives their life to Jesus, the work isn't finished. They're saved, yes, but now as the church, we have to help them grow. We have to disciple them. And, and for you and I, no one has arrived yet. We we're not there yet. We still have to grow and mature. We have to keep following and keep pressing in to the Word of God so that we become more and more and more like Jesus. Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. You study the Gospels. You know what you see? Jesus cared about people. He cared about them. He cared about them so much that he called them to repentance and faith in him because he knew he was the only one that could save them. He knew that he was the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Lord and Savior, and he knew their only hope was to put their faith in him. But he cared about them. He invested in the lives of these followers time and time and time again, even when they blew it. Man, you should know better by now. Peter, how long you got to be around me before you figure this out? But he kept investing in them. Church, we are called to fish for men. As a church, our mission is to make disciples. 
to see people repent of their sins, to believe on the name of Jesus for salvation, and then to see those same people grow to become more like Jesus. Now for the challenging part. The focus of the church, not when I say church, I'm, I'm not singling out Northside. I'm talking about the church in America. Those who profess the name of Jesus and are gathering in local bodies Fellowships all across America. The focus of the church for many years now in America has been on growing crowds instead of growing people. We have been more concerned with numbers than with disciples. It's why you have many seeker-sensitive churches who will do everything possible to try to attract people. And even to steal church members from other churches. That's really where church growth is taking place in America. It's not new people being saved. It's in that church just lost 50 people and we gained 30 of them. Yes, good for us, right? And so we got to focus on individuals becoming disciples who are making disciples. So, challenge before we come to the last part of the message. And here's the challenge. If you belong to Jesus, and by belong to Jesus, I think you know what I mean. You've confessed your sins, you're repented of your sins, you've taken hold of Jesus, he's Lord and Savior of your life. If you belong to Jesus, then you are his disciple. So let me give you two words. Number one, imitate. Imitate. You are a disciple a follower, not of Aaron Hornsby. Do not elevate me. I will disappoint you. Don't follow me. You follow Jesus. He's the one that matters. And if I stop following Jesus, somebody please lovingly say, Pastor, you're not following Jesus anymore. We are to follow Jesus. We elevate Jesus, not any man. We imitate Jesus. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. So hear me, be a disciple. Be a disciple. And I'm going to unpack what that's going to look like for us here at, at Northside in just a moment. So be a disciple. Now listen, the, the men's ministry met yesterday, and if, if you're not a part of the men's ministry or gathering with us one Saturday a month, we, we love to have you. But the men's ministry did a survey. It's like 80-something percent of the men that did the survey said one thing they desire is spiritual growth. I believe that's true for almost everyone in here and watching online. If you know Jesus, I think you do. Deep down in your heart, you want to grow. Maybe you don't know what that looks like. Maybe you don't really know how to describe spiritual growth. But I think for all of us, I hope somehow, someway, we want to be like Jesus. We want to imitate. We want to look like him. But sometimes we stop there. And there's another word I want to give you in church. We have failed here. Me, you, Northside, every church has failed to measure up to where we need to be. And we need to realize that. We need to confess it. We need to repent of it. And we need to change it. And the second word is this, replicate. A disciple makes disciples. Someone who is following Jesus wants to see others Follow the same Jesus they are following. So not only are you a disciple, you are to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So make disciples. Someone who is unsaved, 
and lost and gives their life to Jesus goes from being dead to alive. They are now part of the family of God, but they are an infant. They are a babe in Christ. They don't know where to open their Bible to. They don't know the jargon that we use. Like they, there's still all sorts of sin and junk and brokenness in their life. They just gave their life to Jesus. They're a babe in Christ. But are they to stay there? No. When you were born physically, you came out like a baby. You weren't a full-grown man. Now, some of you looked that way because you were 13, 14, 15 pounds. God help your mama, right? But, but you come out a baby. You don't stay a little baby forever. We, you'd say, grow up, man. Let's go. You got to mature. Eventually, if the Lord blesses you, you get married and you become a parent. And then you have kids and you see them grow up. Church. When it comes to spiritual growth, you start an infant and you start growing. And you become a young child in the faith, a young man or a young woman in the faith. But hear me, at some point, you got to become a parent in the faith. Which means, not only are you growing, but there's somebody in your life that you are parenting and helping and shepherding so that they Two are growing. So two questions. These aren't even in my notes. Number one, who did that for you? Was it a pastor? Was it your parent? Was it a friend? Was it a Sunday school teacher? Who it wasn't just, they saw you on Sunday mornings and said, hey, how you doing? But they sent you cards. They called you. They visited you. Maybe when you became a teenager, a, a, a lady came and, and saw that you were this young woman and you, she wanted you to grow in the face. So she took you out to eat. She poured into you. She invested in you. Somebody helped you get to where you are now. Second question. Who are you doing that for? And this is the part that's convicting, church. Can you, as an individual, name one person right now in this church that you're helping become more like Jesus? As a Sunday school teacher, yes, in a large setting, that's awesome, but I'm talking one-on-one. -on -one. This is the person. I'll pray for you every day. I will encourage you weekly. I will take you out monthly. I'm going to make sure that you grow in faith so when you go off to college, you can stand for Jesus. So when that suffering comes, you're not alone. I'm going to be the parent that's going to help you grow up so that you become the parent that then helps somebody else grow up. And that's discipleship. Church, you want to know why we're where we are in this country? It's simple. We stopped making disciples. We showed up at church. Even as parents, we fail in this. We've showed up in church. We, we did the games. Our youth had lots of fun. But we didn't equip them and prepare them for when they went off to college, they could stand against Satan and all his schemes. We have failed. I have failed. Even in my preaching of not focusing enough on challenging and encouraging us to invest in the hearts and lives of other people. So the church is about being a disciple and making disciples. That's the what. But why? For the glory of God! Exclamation point. It's for the glory of God. Now, last question. How are we going to do that as a church here at Northside going into 2021? Well, uh, let me give credit 
where credit is due. I'm going to give you four uh, B's in just a second. This is something that the pastor BJ had already developed, uh, was implementing uh, with the student ministry. So when the search committee started you know, talking to me and I began to do what pastors do in that situation, went to the website, tried to learn as much as I could about you all and about the area, I came across these four B's and I thought, man, that's simple. It's already in place. So let's begin to put it into action. And so that's what we're going to try to do going forward this year. Here's my challenge to you. If you are in a leadership position whatsoever, Sunday school teacher, overseeing children, youth ministry, that everything we do from Awana to Upward to Sunday school to the choir, that everything we do, we are seeking to make sure these four things are true of you and are true of others who come into our fellowship, that are true of new believers and mature believers. And so the first one, and we're going to unpack this in the weeks to come. The first one is this, believe. Believe. It starts with your believing in God, connecting with God, having a relationship with God. That's why we exist. It's for the glory of God. And anyone who comes in, we want them to know who God is. Whether you're David teaching right, the college students, the young adults, or you're, you're John Ferguson who's teaching the senior adults. right? We want everyone to know who God is and to believe in Him. That's what the world needs. That's the hope they need, Jesus Christ. So in everything, every ministry, are we pointing people to Jesus? Are we teaching them the Word of God? Are we challenging them to not be superficial, to not be surface level because it's easy, but to dig deep and to invest that time to dig deep into the Word of God? So it starts with believing, connecting with God. The second B is belong. Belong. It is to understand that you belong to this family. That's by your choice. Nobody made you. Nobody forced you to join. Right? You made the commitment. Northside Baptist Church is the local body of fellowship that the Lord is leading me to. You joined. You've been attending. You've been thinking about joining. And you want to be all in. You belong. This is my family. Amen? Warts and all. Like the good and the bad, you got to deal with it when it comes to me. Because we're family, and we want you to belong, to connect with God, and to connect with others. Now listen, you can't belong by only being here 45 minutes or an hour a week. So when we come to talking about believing and belonging, right, we're going to talk about what, what do we desire from you? What are some opportunities that you have here at Northside to really belong, to be engaged, to connect with others, that you build a relationship to the point that when something happens in your life, you know, man, I can go talk to my Sunday school teacher. I can call up my friend because you've got somebody who is there to walk with you through life, to belong. As a disciple of Jesus, you have a place to belong. Are you belonging? Then the third one is to become to become, to become more like Jesus, to see your life changed. And when we talk about becoming, we're going to specifically talk about serving. How are you becoming more like Jesus in your serving the body of Christ? Are you serving? Are you praying for those who are serving? Are you ministering to those who are serving? So are you becoming? And then the fourth B, the only one that doesn't start with a B-E, is bless. Bless. 
And when we talk about blessing, we are talking about going beyond these, usually you say four walls, but there's more walls uh, than four uh, in, 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 this, in this building, right? Going beyond this building, as we talked last week with missions and Mark and the opportunities that God is going to bring to us, local and to the nations, how are you going to move your life in such a way through the Spirit of God that you are living your life, that you are blessing, blessing your neighbors, blessing the people in your network, blessing the people in your family, that you're beginning to invest and to pour into the hearts and lives of others, whether it's in the nursery or working with the senior adult. How are you going to bless? Let me close with, with a quote. I asked Landon, what, about a week ago? I was like, man, who are some, who are some names that I quote a lot uh, when, when I preach? And he couldn't remember the name, but he was talking about C.H. Spurgeon. Uh, just, he's got a way with words. And so this is what he says about the church. Give yourself to the church. Give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect. And I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. Anybody else thankful that this place isn't perfect? Because, man, I wouldn't belong if it was perfect because I know I'm not perfect. He said, if I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect, I would never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it. For it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. And he says this, the church is not an institution for perfect people. It is a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace. Amen? A nursery for God's sweet children to be nurtured and to grow strong. It is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's family. I love this. The church is the dearest place on earth. Of all the places that you and I could go, this is the dearest. This is the sweetest. This is what God saved us out of and saved us into. We are the family of God, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And man, I want us for however long our days may be on this earth to make them count by coming together and making disciples, individually and as a church. Will you join me in that? And where this morning would you say, man, pastor, I'm struggling there. And where over the next four weeks would you say, Spirit of God, work in me. I'm struggling to bless, or I'm struggling to become, or I'm struggling to believe, or I'm struggling to belong. Where would you say you're struggling? Maybe you're struggling in spiritual growth, and you need to reach out to someone this week and say, hey, will you help me? Maybe you're struggling to help someone else, and you need to begin to pray, Lord, convict me. So as we enter into uh, this, this series uh, on these four, man, I want to encourage you to either join us on Sundays or to be faithful to watch online and to let the Spirit of God uh, work in your heart. I'm going to preach on the first, the second, and the fourth one. Pastor BJ is going to take the third one. I'm going to be here that Sunday, but, but I want to give him an opportunity to preach and to talk about that. And so we want you, and it starts with me, and it starts with Pastor BJ, we want you to be disciples, to follow our King our Lord and our Savior.
Are you willing? Let it start with me. Let it start with you. And then, church, we'll see the change take place in the world. But first, it's got to start here. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? I'm just going to encourage you just to pray right there where you are. I want you to do a couple of things. Those of you who belong to Jesus, let's start there. First of all, I want you just to praise God for the church. Praise God for the fellowship here at Northside. Praise God for the church maybe that you grew up in, that poured into you and invested in you. I want you to begin by praising God. And then after you praise Him for a moment, I want you to move into just confessing. Just confessing. What part of the message maybe spoke to you or convicted you? And how, when you leave here, can, can you put something that you heard into practice and, so that it's not in one ear and out the other, but it begins to bring about change? So start by praising God and then start by praying and asking God to work in your heart. And those of you here or anyone watching online, if you would say, listen, pastor, I have never made the decision to follow Jesus. I don't know what that even looks like. I'm not a disciple. I'm lost and, and, I, and I don't know Jesus. But I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus right now. That if you would confess your sin and believe upon the name of Jesus, and that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. That right now at this moment, you can have the hope that we sang about. You can know that the blood of Jesus Christ covers every sin you've ever committed, will commit, and the blood of Jesus covers it all. And if you give your life to Jesus, man, I just want to encourage you to reach out to us. Call the church office, text me, let me know that you've given your life to Jesus because we want to help you make disciples. And if you've been praying about making Northside your home and joining here and saying, hey, this is where I want to belong and this is where I want to serve, man, reach out to me this week. Reach out to me and so we can talk more about that. Take a moment right there where you are and pray, and then I'll close us in prayer, and then we'll make some announcements. Father, we praise you. Thank you for your church, your church universal and your church local. Thank you specifically this morning for Northside, for those who have come before us, for those who have laid the foundation and the groundwork for where we are today and for those men and women who built that upon Jesus Christ. Northside is a strong church. I believe we are a healthy church, by no means perfect, and Lord, there is still more work to be done. But Lord, we are in a better position than many churches today. And I believe we owe a lot of that to those who are here and those who have come before us. So praise you for them. Thank you for them. And Lord, we want to continue to see you build upon that. Lord, as we go forward in what may be harder, darker days in America for people of God and for the church of God. 
Lord, the reality may very well be that we are going to need each other more than we ever have before. That we are going to need to depend upon one another more than we ever have before. So Father, may you begin that work now in our hearts and in our lives so that we can be disciples, so that we can make disciples all for the glory of God. Convict where we need to be convicted. Encourage where we need to be encouraged. Strengthen us where we need to be strengthened. Give us wisdom where we need wisdom. And may it all result in the glory and the honor of your name. For your fame. For your glory. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Some announcements quickly. Uh, if you were not able to text that number last week and you're interested in missions, uh, you can go ahead and send uh, your information to that text. We've got a, an evangelism training uh, next Sunday at 4 o'clock. Put that on your calendars. We want you uh, to be involved in that. And I'm really excited about this Sunday. February 7th is Youth Sunday. Uh, and so we did this, I think BJ did it back in 2019. Uh, so we're going to have a youth uh, that'll preach that Sunday. Uh, if you would like a youth to teach your Sunday school class, see uh, BJ, let him know that um, as our youth are just going to kind of lead us on that Sunday morning. Uh, we got a meeting for Upward uh, today at 430. So if you are interested in volunteering, please be here at 430. Uh, it's an all, it, Upward is an amazing ministry. And I know, I know it's time-consuming, and I know it requires a lot of people and a lot of energy, but it is the way right now that we are trying to reach this community for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to be involved in that. One other uh, thing, we are having our normal Sunday night uh, activities, uh, so make sure you look at the bulletin. But our Wednesday night activities are going to be on pause for at least the rest of the month of January. And then once we get back into February, we'll assess that again. You guys know the COVID numbers are just rising. More and more people are sick and having to quarantine. And if we come together on a Wednesday and something happens and we have a breakout, that puts our Sunday mornings in jeopardy. And so by only meeting on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, that gives us a week to try to figure out how many people were in contact, how do we have to clean um, and so Wednesday activities are on pause for the rest of the month, but our Sunday activities remain the same. So come back tonight. Uh, we got Bible study for adults. Uh, the youth, uh, Pastor BJ filled in for me a couple weeks ago. I'm filling in for Pastor BJ tonight with our students. So if, if you want to hang out with me, come be a part of that, students, and we'll have a lot of fun uh, tonight. And of course, Awana and our children's activities as well. All right, if you will stand, Chris is our Deacon of the Week. He's going to come and uh, close us out in prayer. You all have a blessed week. And as we leave here, let's be reminded, we are disciples, so let us go make disciples. Just remind you again, uh, if you're interested in participating in Upward, uh, 4.30 in here, we'll meet and talk about the season. This Saturday is our first evaluation. You can come help just with that. That's a, that's a great blessing. But, you know, talking about discipleship, you have an opportunity where for 10 weeks to have 10, 10 kids, captive audience, to uh, disciple them. So, you know, there, there, there's, there's your tailor-made opportunity to come do that today and this week. Dear Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Thank you for your blessings and mercy that you've shown us, even though we don't deserve them. Uh, thank you for our all of our fellow believers who are gathered here. Lord, I pray you'd help us to, to believe and belong and bless. Um, pray we'd uh, 
take discipleship to heart and uh, actually actively or for purpose in our hearts, we're going to actively do that. Um, pray for those who are um, dealing with COVID right now. I pray you to restore health to their bodies and protect us from this disease, Lord. And I just pray you to um, keep us safe. We come back tonight. We ask this according to your will in Jesus' name. Amen.